Hey, you're listening to the House of Prayer Leadership Podcast. My name is Matthew Lilly. I'm the host of another podcast called Presence Pioneers. But we have this House of Prayer Leadership Podcast for you as a resource for leaders who are hosting prayer meetings in their city. These are recordings provided by Brad Stroop from the Prayer Room in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. And he's allowed us to take these training recordings and provide them to you as a free resource on this House of Prayer Leadership Podcast. Now, these are a number of years old, but they're going to provide some amazing practical training for anyone who's trying to organize people to pray, especially for multiple prayer meetings every week. And so we wanted to provide these to you as a resource, and I hope they're super helpful for you. We're so thankful to Brad Stroop and the Prayer Room in Dallas-Fort Worth for allowing us to repurpose these trainings. And if you'd like to connect to a podcast that's putting out new content on a regular basis, then we would love to have you also join us for the Presence Pioneers podcast, which is available on all platforms and is also available at presencepioneers.org. And the heart of the Presence Pioneers podcast is to equip you to host the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer. And so we have Bible teachings as well as interviews with leaders in the worship and prayer movement to help inspire you and equip you to host the presence of God. Please enjoy this session of the House of Prayer Leadership Podcast with Brad Stroop. Okay, we're beginning House of Prayer Administration. This is a uh, House of Prayer Leadership track. Session one today is going to be entitled Developing Good Systems. So uh, what we want to do in this session is, uh, and really in this uh, series, in these three parts that we're going to do, is we want to talk about the importance of you as the director of a House of Prayer, as one who's planting or starting uh, a prayer ministry of some sort. We want to talk about how to help you get organized. And uh, I know some um, are organized by nature and uh, others are super not. Uh, I was pretty much a super not. Um, and so I had to learn a lot of these things. Uh, you know, the Lord, you know, took me through some uh, interesting, you know, trainings of my own, you know, in working in the business world and such for a little while, which was not my MO at all, but was so good for me learning some systems and, and uh, the importance of keeping track of information and staying organized. And, then really, as we've started this house of prayer and, and seen it develop, uh, the Lord's just given us ideas. And a lot of that's really come out of our own brokenness. We were doing something. It wasn't working at all. That caused pain. Pain caused us to change the system and to come up with a better plan. And so um, one of the things that's a hope of mine in these house of prayer leadership tracks is to give as much uh, uh, of our story and what we've learned and the lessons we've learned, the ideas we've come up with as possible so that you, as you're thinking and planning and plotting, <clears throat> you know, what your uh, prayer ministry might look like, you have at least a bunch of ideas, whether they're good or bad, you have to decide on your own, but you have a bunch of ideas to assess, wow, well, they did it that way. And this is how it worked for them. Uh, as opposed to having nothing to start with at all. You can always make something bad better, <clears throat> but if you don't have anything to start with, it's sometimes tough. And I know because we were the group that had nothing to start with. And it was sometimes tough. <clears throat> so uh, the concept here of, uh, of what we're doing is that we want to get you organized uh, as, as the house of prayer leader, director, <clears throat> you know, main point of the arrow. And so uh, this series will be the most uh, helpful to those who don't have much business experience or much ministry experience. Uh, as far as like being at the helm, I don't mean that you've been a part of a ministry or been employed somewhere. I mean, actually managing <clears throat> uh, ministry and business. Um, and uh, the the uh, truth of the matter is most of what we're going to talk about in this series are really just leadership principles that are applicable anywhere. I mean, they're, <clears throat> you know, any sort of business or ministry. But what we're going to do is we're going to do the best that we can through some stories and ideas and such to... Um, direct these leadership principles specifically at realities of the house of prayer. So we're going to talk about it kind of with a house of prayer lens, but really, if anything, these are leadership uh, principles and management uh, skills is really what this, uh, this uh, three-part <clears throat> leadership track is all about. So first thing I want to look at 
is uh, the concept of weekly tasks. And uh, you might go, okay, what, what does that mean? Well, if you're going to be organized <clears throat> uh, and you're going to be able to try to get anything done as a ministry, uh, there are going to be lots of things that need to get done, little to-dos. <clears throat> and the, uh, the kind of the haphazard way of dealing with to-dos is you wait for them to come to you. Something blows up, you fix it. You know, tyranny of the urgent kind of deal. You deal with whatever bad thing is currently pressing. And while there has to be a little bit of that, really what you would far rather do is identify on the front end, what are things that need to be done weekly? And make a list. What are the weekly things that need to be done for your house of prayer? You know, certain tasks, certain phone calls, certain this is, certain that's. <clears throat> identify what needs to be done weekly. <clears throat> and then uh, identify those uh, uh, those tasks and figure out which ones of those you're going to make your weekly to-do list. Just things that, as a leader, in order to be able to keep things flowing smoothly, you're going to do these things pretty much every week. <clears throat> and then uh, uh, in, the, in the process of that, one of those things, and we'll touch on this more um, in, in a later session, is uh, <clears throat> the idea of uh, making weekly updates. Um, sometimes it's not a to-do that needs to be done in the sense of uh, something that doesn't ever happen. Uh, sometimes it's uh, just updating uh, information on a weekly basis or a monthly basis and uh, and just staying on top of that. And what I've found is <clears throat> leaders that have this sort of a thought process are going to be far more organized and their systems are going to work better and uh, things are going to be more streamlined. And <clears throat> we'll talk about this in a later session, but one of the reasons that that's so helpful is once a system is organized and streamlined and you've got it down, it's a lot easier to hand off to somebody else to do. Whereas while it's still broken and rough and ugly and not all the kinks are worked out and there's still a bit of mystery, you can't hand that off yet because it, it won't go the way that you want it to. <clears throat> so it's one of the reasons that organization really helps. So from the weekly side, now monthly, identify uh, what needs to be done each month. Paying bills, making deposits, uh, updating spreadsheets, we, uh, monthly spreadsheets. We'll talk about that. We're going to spend a good portion of, a, of a, one of the sections on uh, that very point about the concept of spreadsheets. But, uh, you know, other monthly tasks, following up with visitors and others who've expressed interest. You know, if you're a house of prayer and you've got actual prayer meetings going, which uh, if you don't, then um, you're not a house of prayer yet. Go start prayer meetings. Um, but if you have got a bunch of prayer meetings going, likely is not, uh, the Lord's going to draw some people. Uh, you're, those that are with you are going to be coming, uh, and, uh, and bringing others with them. And the point is there's going to be some number of people, even if it's not a, a trillion, you'll have some number coming around and expressing some interest. And you want to make sure that you've got a plan on how to follow up with them. <clears throat> so I always, uh, you know, just tell leaders that it's a, it's a good idea to actually make that one of your weekly or monthly to do's <clears throat> and, uh, begin keeping a calendar no matter what your personality type is. I, I know we got a few even here on our mission space that the concept of a calendar um, is uh, is loathsome. I just hate it. They don't want to have anything to do with it. It just grinds against them. And uh, I remember being that guy. And for years, I bucked. And I was just like, I'm not keeping a calendar. I don't. That's not how I think. That's not what I want. And what I realized was, while that definitely was not my MO at all, it had to become my MO because... There's so much that gets dropped if you don't have an organized uh, schedule, if you don't have a, an organized plan, you know, of what you're going to do in, in a month, what appointments that you have. <clears throat> it's not enough to have that written down on some random sheet of paper or a little sticky note. I mean, you, as, as you start to develop the house of prayer, you're going to become increasingly more busy and you need to have an organized structure, which means keeping a calendar. And so I hated calendars. I mean, that was the last thing in the world I wanted to do, <clears throat> and I fought it for years and years and years. And even when I finally said, okay, I got to do this, I was bad at it for a year or so. Uh, but I am so glad now I keep a calendar. I've got a, a good strategy. It keeps me up to date. I look at my calendar every day, if not maybe twice, in order to stay organized and make sure I don't miss any appointments and all that kind of stuff. You know, part of the, uh, the thought process, I'll just say this as uh, kindly as I can. Part of the thought process behind someone who says, I don't want to keep a calendar they're not very busy. If they think they are, they're not. That, that is impossible. They are not that busy. 
because they could not function without keeping a calendar of what uh, appointments do I have tomorrow? What meetings do I have on Thursday? What am I supposed to do this Sunday? Oh, wow, I'm supposed to be there on, on uh, next Wednesday. If, they're not that busy. And as the house of prayer leader, you will get that busy. Um, and in fact, you kind of want to be that busy. You want to get to that point because each one of those meetings <clears throat> represents some aspect of building the house of prayer, building the relationships that help sustain the house of prayer, interviewing new worship leaders, uh, having administration meetings to make the prayer room run smoother, all those different components. So uh, you want to get a vision for yourself of being a organized leader that is helping to administrate uh, the ministry of the house of prayer. And uh, to do that, you're going to need to keep a calendar. So I'll just tell you on the front end now, I was the guy, I, I was the most violently against uh, a lot of these things, to-do lists, calendars, all that stuff. But things were broken and the house of prayer was suffering as a result of my lack of willingness to do those things. And so when I started to realize that it was really an immaturity issue with me and not a personality type thing, because now it's not my personality type, but I do it well because I've trained myself. And so there's a lot you can do. Uh, the Lord has made us uh, pretty um, phenomenal uh, creatures that we can learn, we can adapt, uh, we can take on new things. The Lord can endue us with power and anointings and understandings and and uh, and you know abilities we didn't have before. And as a leader, you want to count on the fact that God is commissioning you to do things you can't do. So you're going to need some additional downloads uh, for you to be useful as things grow and, and uh, increase. So other to-dos. Uh, inevitably, other things come up. Uh, and so um, you're going to have to, you know, pay attention to those special projects and special whoopsies, you know, that happen. Uh, you know, our dorm just had the air conditioner go out just the other day. And so now we got, you know, one more to-do that we got to get, we got to get on it. We got to deal with that. We weren't expecting it. It wasn't on our list. But we kind of also, as leaders, in addition to your weekly, monthly to-dos, you want to have an unexpected, but they're coming to do's. You want to have a list of that and plan. There's stuff coming. I mean, there's just going to be things you didn't see, uh, things, and, and that can be good things, bad things. It doesn't have to be a bad thing to make the, the, uh, to do list. But, um, I want to suggest strongly that you create an admin time to work on such things every week. So whatever you've got going on, probably, uh, as you're starting a, a you know, a smaller house of prayer, more than likely, you uh, probably have another job or you've got uh, other thing that is bringing in some measure of income. And so you're probably busy. You may have a family. you got a lot going on. Well, if you're not giving some amount of time, some scheduled admin time every week uh, to building the house of prayer, then it won't be built. And it'll be five years from now and it'll look exactly like it looks right now uh, because you didn't schedule that time. And one of the things that I'm real big on is if the Lord commissioned you as a leader to build that house of prayer, then he is commissioning you to invest your time and it's going to take, it's going to take some effort. <clears throat> so you need to, you know, get some scheduled time to do that. Um, and one of the things that uh, you'll need to do just in this, all these to do's, the monthly, the weekly, the random stuff, you need to come up with a system that works for you on how to keep track of it. So I'll give you uh, some ideas uh, that, uh, you know, would or wouldn't work. Um, and you figure it out for your own personality. What I do is, um, I let my inbox in my email account be my to-do list. And then I don't delete anything out of my inbox until it's to done. And, and as long as it's still a to-do, it's there in my email box and it's looking at me. Every time I open my email, that's all that's in my email box right now. If I go in there, there's some junk mail that I haven't deleted yet. I'll delete it. As soon as I've deleted that, all that's in there are things I'm supposed to do. And so for me, when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, can you do this? And it's something I really actually probably need to do. First thing I ask them is, will you email me? Because now it's an email that's in my box and it serves as a, as a to-do list for me. And so that way, and I've got other little to-do lists too, but that, that email box is the way I do it. Now, some might be text message, some might be write it down, some might be add it to your, to your you know, physical to-do list. Some might, you have an, a long or ongoing to-do list in your notes pad on your smartphone or something, you know, and uh, you just keep track of it. And somebody says something, hey, will you do this? And you open it up and you do that. You need a system. You can't just... uh you won't survive. You won't get things done. You'll drop the ball over and over if you don't have a system. So figure out a system that works for you. The email thing works great for me because I can check my email, you know, two, three times a day. Uh, and I've got the ability to be able to look at that. And then it's staring at me and boom. And a lot of times uh, if people uh, are trained to know how to do email subject lines instead of hello, uh, 
or if they actually include some details of what it is, then right there in the inbox, just on the, the subject lines are my to-do list almost. And, uh, and you can always go in and change a subject line, you know, and uh, re-email it to yourself or something uh, if you don't like that. But anyway, that's an idea. That's something that I do. You may have a completely different system, but if you have no system, you'll drop the ball. If your concept is, well, I'll remember or write it down on random pieces of paper, unless you have random pieces of paper that all go into one specific tray on your, you know, desk, then those random pieces of paper are going to get lost and you're going to lose your to-dos. And, and what to-dos ultimately mean is commitments you made to people. If you said, yes, I'll do that. Well, then people are counting on you doing that. And if you don't do it, then that that's really not all that awesome. Uh, plus it'll affect the ministry in, in other negative ways. So the, uh, the, whatever system you come up with, you want to find a way that you can keep the to-do list in front of you in a strategic way. So the, one of the reasons I love the email concept for me is because I do check my email a couple of times a day. I'm checking it because I'm looking for that communication from that person or the f- free coupon to, you know, BJ's. I mean, it's like, whatever. I mean, I'm looking at my email for a number of reasons, but because I'm going there for other reasons anyway, I'm forced to look at my to-do list again and again and again. So it's probably not as helpful for you to have your to-do list on a clipboard back at your house and you're only at your house, you know, a very limited amount of time. You want to have access to that to-do list because you want to be able to update it. You want to be able to mark things out. You want to be able to add things uh, as, you know, stuff comes up. So that's just a little suggestion. Again, basic, simple administration is having a to-do list uh, that's ongoing. And some of those to-dos are ones that you've made, you know, a weekly thing, monthly thing. And, uh, and then others are ones that just kind of come up. Now, this is going to uh, just maybe sound a little odd, but if you'll do it, you'll be glad you did. I have been uh, struggling uh, for my whole life with uh, OCD and ADD. So I am all over the place sometimes. And, uh, and I've had to figure out how to bring the reins in and to make myself focus and to uh, and the Lord has done amazing amount of work uh, to to really help me, uh, you know, be able to temper and and uh, be able to lead better. But one of the things that I do, and um, I the reason I suggest this to any leader is because we all have a tendency as leaders to get writer's block, and uh, and, and as leaders, so it's instead of uh, I don't know how to write this next paragraph, it's I don't know what to do next with the ministry. I don't know what steps we need to take next. I don't, what I suggest is, especially in the early stages, schedule yourself a 30 minute brainstorming session. And it's, it's a non-negotiable. I mean, you just, you sit down for 30 minutes and get a whiteboard or a chalkboard or, or uh, open up a, a Word doc. I, what I always used to do is I have a whiteboard and that way I could sit on my comfy couch and I'd make sure no one was around. I turn off my phone and for 30 minutes, I'm staring at a blank whiteboard. And I'm praying and I'm just going, God, what are we doing? What's this next season hold? What, what strategies do you have? What programs do you want us to start? What uh, things do you want us to stop doing? What things can we improve upon? What workshop should we do next? What I'm just praying and I'm just asking the Lord. And it's kind of a prayer session, but I mean, I am intentional. I'm going to get some stuff written on that board. And even if you don't wind up doing most of the stuff, you will have anointed ideas because you sat before the Lord in a think tank sort of a time frame. You'll have anointed ideas show up uh, through your pen or on your whiteboard or whatever it is that you do. And uh, this is especially important in the early phases of ministry. Um, I'd say the first, you know, three, four years, because there's so much that what you do on a month to month, season to season basis really can make a drastic impact in how your ministry goes. And so, uh, this is a prayer time, but it's more of a brainstorming time. You're asking the Lord to anoint your brainstorming. So uh, don't, I mean, you know, go have the Devo before. Go have your devotional meditate on the Word of God after. This is actually a, God, I'm working with you. We're partnering. You're the, the key strategist. Give me the strategies of heaven. Help me to know how to build the house of prayer. And much of the ideas that we have about how to build the house of prayer came out of these think tank times. It would be me in the living room with the Lord and a whiteboard. And I just think and go, God, what can we do? How can this work? Give me an idea. Drop something into my spirit. Uh, take some idea out of my head that I think is a good idea. If it's not, I mean, just all that stuff. But you're specifically thinking up there writing and writing bad ideas that you won't even do because a bad idea might inspire a good one. 
And so just spending some time, and I think that's uh, really important because you're asking for heaven's perspective. You're asking the Lord to give you uh, clarity. And, uh, and this was, I'll just say this, this was one of the most formative little chunks, the most formative little uh, components uh, for us as a ministry in those early days was me spending this time near weekly uh, brainstorming for 30, 45 minutes. And uh, I would get such downloads sometimes. And, and the download could be, we need to start teaching this instead of teaching that. We need to, uh, we need to call so-and-so and see if they could maybe be a worship leader. I mean, I'm not talking about it being like big conference ideas. I'm just saying little things, you know, I, uh, we need to tweak this policy. This policy, it's a little rigid. We need to, we need to soften that up a little. Yeah, Lord, that man, I, I'm glad I stopped to think and talk to you about that. That one's really a little stru- uh, rough around the edges. We need to tweak that a little bit. It was little things like that, that the Lord was just giving just, uh, uh, because I'd postured myself before him and I was asking him, he was willing to speak. I mean, we're familiar with this concept, uh, when it comes to meditating on the word, we go, Lord, I'm going to read the word. And then I'm going to say, God, talk to me about the word and let the word make more sense than it did a minute ago. He's the same God. When you're talking about an assignment, he gave you, it's not like he's less involved. And so ask him for his input, his ideas, the anointing of the spirit on, uh, on those times of, uh, think tanking. Okay. Okay, so now we're going to shift gears. So that first one was just about uh, organization. And now, uh, while this is definitely an organizational component, I really want to talk about internal communication and then uh, outside the ministry or external communication uh, as, uh, as two uh, you know, more uh, pieces of this puzzle here. So as a general rule, if your communication amongst the ministry, and maybe the ministry is you and three other people, and well, it was three yesterday. Now it's two. Now it's just you and two other people. I mean, that's how life goes sometimes when you're getting started. If your communication is poor, it will impact the ministry negatively. It will cause more hurt feelings. It will cause more misunderstandings. Uh, it will cause uh, wasted time. Oh man, I don't know how many times I'm going to have to learn this lesson where if I under communicate and I'm giving somebody something that they're trying to help me out with. They go with the information I gave them and they do the best they know how. And the fault wasn't with them. It was with me and my poor communication. And they come back and what they did was completely not what I wanted. And it, and not only that, sometimes it was the wrong direction entirely. And we actually have to go fix it sometimes. If your communication is poor, it will cost you. On the other hand, if your communication in the ministry is clean and you've got good systems in place, uh, that will make a world of difference. And what will come across is the ministry looks like it knows what it's doing. It, uh, things flow better. There's less hurt feelings. There's, um, there's all kinds of benefits that come from clear communication. And, uh, and specifically on this, I'm talking about internally with your team, with your, with your leaders, with those that are a part of the ministry, with, uh, you know, with, with a visitor that just came in. Uh, so the, the one-on-one, uh, you know, personal communication and, uh, and how you are kind of administrating as a, uh, house of prayer leader. So one of the things that you would want to ask yourself, maybe in your think tank time, you know, every week is Lord, what can we do to improve our communication? And that's going to look different in everybody's uh, circumstance because, you know, you, you might, everybody, uh, everybody might be so busy that the only way people can communicate is through email. Well, you need to figure out the best way to make email work. Uh, your communication, you know, you might go, well, people are busy, but I bet we could, we could start meeting together weekly, uh, as a core team, as a core group, like a little staff meeting almost. Well, that would be a huge, you know, benefit to your communication. Cause now you got people in the room to be able to talk to them about what's going on. You might come up with a hundred different things, but the point, I just want to say it this way. Well, I'm not going to give all the nuances of how to make your communication clean and good. Uh, cause we just don't have time to cover it right now. I will say this, as long as it's not clean and good, you will have to experience the pain of that. And as you develop it and make it stronger, as you invest time and energy, as you ask people, you know, how could we communicate this better? How, what could we do to make this, uh, you know, look a little bit better? Um, as you do that, you will be greatly benefited and the ministry will be stronger and uh, you'll be able to move things uh, forward better. So uh, one of the things that you want to do in that process is you want to identify the people that it's most important that you have regular communication with. 
So paint a little picture. Let's say you're uh, doing a uh, praying church expression of some sort. You got a, um, a prayer meeting that's going inside the context of a local church. You do in daily prayer meetings at a local church and you've got, you know, uh, one or two staff members that are kind of part of what you're doing and uh, at some level. And then you've got, you know, uh, maybe five or 10 people from the church that come around regularly. And you've got another 15 or 20 that kind of duck their head in and out kind of a deal. Identify which people are the most important that you have regular communication with. Definitely those two staff members. Uh, probably a couple or three or four, maybe maybe the whole group of those that are the regular uh, attendees, you know, from the church. Um, and uh, and f- try to figure out uh, ways that you can really hone in on them. But little things like create a um, an email group, you know, so that when you send a communication out, everybody in that email group always gets it. I mean, just that's a little simple communication point. Um, you know, same thing could be done with a text message, you know, group or whatever is, have uh, a specific group of people that's kind of always in the know, always in the dialogue about certain points. I'll say this, uh, and it's just unfortunate, but um, I was too young and dumb and inexperienced to know that this is just how it is. And so if ever I meet anybody that falls into that category that I would not accuse them of that, uh, I want to spare you the pain of this. And this is just unfortunate. Bad communication is default. You are a bad communicator unless you've learned how to not be. The communication in a ministry is bad by default. Communication in society, and it's bad. It starts off bad. So just assume it's bad until you've worked on it and made it better. And uh, because there's so many nuances of communication that just just need fine-tuning and, and, uh, and refining, and until you've spent some time uh, intentionally making the communication clearer, cleaner, more precise, uh, learning from some mistakes, it's probably kind of bad. And so you want to be willing to fight for good communication. Fighting for good communication, I'll give you a, a little for instance. It's 1030. You're tired. It's been a long week. You know you need to send that email. You know you do, but you don't want to because you're so tired. But if you don't, then tomorrow it's going to not be as good or there's going to be hurt feelings or there's going to be miscommunication. People are going to show up at the wrong place. You got to fight for good communication. You got to stay up the extra 15 minutes. You got to send that email or the phone call or the text message or the after the meeting, the, the after, after, after glow after the meeting. I mean, it's so late and there's somebody there and they, you just got to have that conversation with them. You got to have that conversation. You got to fight for good communication um, because it, it will bite you. So uh, create good systems that work for you and for the team that you have surrounding you. Um, you know, I can think of a number of things around here that work great for us because of the personalities involved, but that that same communication strategy infrastructure may not work someplace else. You know, I can think of things that we do and it works with our culture, you know, a bunch of 20 year olds that won't work nearly as well with a 40, 50, 60 year old bracket. I can think of things that work because of where we're at in the United States and just kind of the ways that we talk and stuff that won't work in another part of the nation. So you got to figure out some stuff that's tailored to what you need, your team needs, that kind of thing. And that's the reason I'm not going into all the details of how to communicate and how not to, because so much of it is just, you're going to have to figure that out. Um, but to know on the front end, it's so important that you figure this out, that you do this. It's so important that you come up with a plan. So uh, next point here is uh, utilizing everyday tools. You got to figure out how to use email to your advantage in communication. Um, again, that's another one of those things that people may not particularly love. It's like, ah, email, I don't really use email. You got to figure out how to use email. It's so helpful because the difference between email and anything else is you're able to give clear communication that can be documented and referenced back to. That's so helpful. I don't know how many times I have to go back and look at an email. Like, I don't even remember half of what was in that email. I'm so glad I can look back on it and go, oh, yeah, I remember they said this. Well, I can't do that if I have to rely on my memory of how a conversation went all the time, you know? So uh, you want to use, uh, figure out how to use uh, emails um, because you're able to document it. You're able to look back on it for reference. Um, you're able to check the timestamp. You know, when was that sent? What was it last Tuesday or was it last Thursday we talked about that? You know, you want to you want to have all those things. It's very very helpful uh, to uh, get email to be a major uh, uh, tool in your belt. 
the importance of quick texts, just figuring out real quick, just, I was thinking this, boom, boom, just send it. Just, I mean, if it's only going to take you 10 seconds to send the text message, just do it. Cause now it's boom, it's fired off. It's taken care of. It's, you know, it's a, it's a communication point that, that can be helpful to people. Phone calls, figuring out a way, not just uh, to make phone calls, but even finding a way to make phone calls uh, the most effective possible. I'll tell you one of the things that I do often when I have a phone call is I will assign a start and stop time to the phone meeting. Uh, otherwise, you can find yourself on the phone forever. But if the person that you're talking to knows the stop time at the start, hey, I've got from now until 1130, you know, and they go, oh, okay, that's 25 minutes. Okay. Well, then when you start to get to 1130, now it's not a bummer that you're saying, hey, I got to go. Uh, cause you've already told them and they, and they, they heard you and they, oh, okay. Yeah. So now it's 1130 and now it's time to go. Um, making the most out of your commute time. Um, you know, when I was, uh, without much, much responsibility, um, my commute time looked a certain way. And, uh, and now with a lot more responsibility, uh, it's not that it's never any fun at all, but I find that a lot of my commute time is now uh, needing to be spent making that phone call that I didn't have time to make during the day. Um, you know, uh, thinking about something, praying through some issue that I didn't have time to pray through in some other setting. Uh, you know, uh, strategizing, you know, what, what things could look like or what, what I could do. Uh, sometimes even listening to teachings that can help me prepare for the teaching I need to teach. Instead of just like that commute time, just being dead time, lost time, party time. I mean, it's like, to make that commute time useful. And, uh, and, and again, I don't want to in any way say that it wasn't useful before. Cause a lot of time before I was listening to worship music, I was, you know, engaging the Lord. And uh, I've just found as I, as I get more responsibilities, I have to figure out when am I going to do this? When am I going to do this? When am I going to do this? And I found that commute time is often a great way because it's either on my way to the something or on the way away from the something that I've got a few minutes to be able to get, you know, some things done. And, uh, and even if it's just processing some things and thinking through some things. So I just, just throw that in as a tool that you may not have thought was a tool. You've got however long your commute time is every day, twice a day to be able to utilize and do something with or nothing with. And, uh, and so I would encourage you, uh, to do something with it. <clears throat> um, a great, you know, little, you know, as we're talking about communication, great little communication uh, point is um, using those uh, 15, 20 minutes that you have in the car to make the phone call with pers a person that the relationship is strained or there's a relationship that you need to establish. And, uh, and it's something that would really help the ministry if you were able to connect with the ministry leader of the such and such ministry down the street, you know, plan that phone call in your commute time. Um, you know, uh, there's something going on in the, in the ministry and you need to get more clarity on it. And you know, so-and-so has got more clarity on it. Call them. Hey, what's going on with the thing? You know, figuring that out, just utilizing that time, uh, instead of just, uh, not having a plan. And maybe your plan is no, I need that time every day. I need that to be part of my devotional time. I need to pray in the spirit in the car on the way home. Okay. Just be intentional about it. Just use the time. Don't waste the time. You know, have a plan is my, is my point there. Not to say you have to make phone calls in your commute time. Um, so, uh, some communication tips, just some little starting points. When problems arise, address them quickly. No one likes longstanding problems of any sort. No one does any kind of problem. You name any kind of problem, a problem that is a problem that's been a problem for a long time is causing more problems. When something arises, address them quickly, even if it costs you a little bit. When someone sends you a request, respond quickly. So it's an email, it's a text, it's a you know, hey, can you do this? It's a whatever. Don't let that wait. Even if your response is just to say, hey, I'm working on it, but I'm not done with it. That's very, very helpful. I cannot tell you as a leader, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it when someone just sends me a status update on something. They're working on it. I know they're working on it. They know they're working on it. They know I want to know what's going on. Hey, I'm not done with this thing yet, Brad, but I ought to have it done next Tuesday. Awesome. Same thing. When people ask me for something, I do the best that I can, you know, to, uh, Hey, listen, I'm working on this. I don't have an answer yet, but you know, that da, 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 da. I, I should know by this time. What's so helpful is when uh, people send you a request, respond quickly, whether it's a request for a little bit of information that you don't have, 
whether it's a request for something that's going to take you an hour and you just don't have the time right now, or it's a, whatever, just respond quickly so that they know you got it and so that you can, uh, you can, you know, let them know that you're working on it. That's a good communication tip. Okay. So that was all internal communication. Now I'll change gears again. Now let's talk about external communication. What I really mean by this is you have a ministry. It's whatever house of prayer. Okay. And this ministry has a face to the community. The community, if you, and the community might be 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people, whatever the number is. If you're a house of prayer, you probably want people coming. And so you have a face. And that face is expressed in a lot of your external communication. Website, printed material, you know, uh, signs, posters, whatever, cards that you hand out, whatever it is that you've got. um, It's communicating information about your house of prayer to the outside world. And it is so important that you work out having good external communication, just like the good internal communication, good external communication. Give you some, for instances of some bad external communication. Okay. Um, I can remember one time that uh, I went on uh, house prayers website and I wanted to go visit them. And um, I, uh, I looked at the house prayer, the hours and all that stuff that they were doing. And uh, then I, uh, I went uh, to the house prayer during that time and there was nobody there and the doors were locked. And I was like, well, this is, well, I wanted, I wanted to go in. I wanted to see. I wanted to be here, you know? And, uh, and it left a really bad taste in my mouth, you know? And I get it because, I mean, I mean, somebody didn't show up or that day was parked day. I don't know. I really don't even know what happened. But my point is, somewhere in the communication there, there was, there was an issue. Maybe it was just an old schedule that was online. They don't even do that anymore. You want to make sure you are uh, projecting out clear communication about what you actually do. And when what you actually do changes, change your external communication to match it. Very, very important. Leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. Um, when, when people come, especially if they had to invest some energy, like they had to travel to get there or they move some things around to be there that afternoon or to do that thing, or they, they came thinking it was one thing and it wound up being something else. You know, they came for a intercession prayer meeting. And they were all excited. This is intercession for Israel. And they came and they were excited. And it turned out to be a Devo. They're ticked. I mean, because they're like, well, I came here for the thing. Like I, this. So you want, you, you want to make sure your external communication is uh, as clear and as good as possible. Sometimes it's impossible to get everything fixed. So what you want to do is you just want to draw as much attention uh, to, um, to the changes, the switches, the, the, the new you know, things as possible. Uh, something that I'll do is uh, if we have, you know, a weekly thing that we do, let's say uh, one of our round tables, um, and for some reason, crazy things happen and we had to cancel it. I mean, we just had to. I will try to do the best I can before that happens, even if it's only a few hours before, and go and make a change on the website immediately to just say, hey, uh, canceled for tonight, so sorry, we'll resume next week on September, da-da-da, and give the date that it will restart. And that way, if anybody did happen to give a last minute look, hey, I, I want to go look at the website one more time. I forgot that round table thing. I think it's tonight, but let's go look one more time. They, if they went and looked last minute, hopefully they were able to see that. Now, I'm not able to do that every time, but as best as I can, I'll do that kind of thing uh, just as a little last minute uh, you know, thing. But on your, on your publications, if you've got any posters, if you've got anything on Facebook, whatever, you just want to make sure that your, uh, your communication um, externally of what you're doing is, uh, is real and good and true. So if you have a, if you have a change in your service time, if your prayer schedule changes, um, if you were going to have a guest speaker come for something and then they canceled, don't just let that go. I mean, go and make the changes so that people can know, you know, what's happening. Uh, do the best that you can. So using your website as a communication tool, as opposed, uh, to, uh, just being, you know, having an online presence is allowing, thinking of it as a communication tool. This is, this is a primary way we're able to say things to people. And so it's important that it's updated and, uh, and in line. Remember in the first part of the session, we were talking about weekly or monthly to do's. Maybe one of those is updating the website, make sure all the information's right. Um, Keeping your online information updated is so important because people are going to come based off that information probably more than anything. Uh, they're going to see what you're doing online. 
They will have heard about you or whatever. They'll Google you. And as a result, now they're going to come and check you out based off of what it is that they saw online. So uh, you want that information to be right. If your vision changed, if you added a component, if you're not doing something anymore, do the best that you can to have that information right uh, online. And then if you can trust that your information online is good and you want to be able to trust that, then you can point people to the website. Now you can start talking to people. Hey, this is a communication point. This is a portal of you know information about what we're doing, what's coming up, what we've got going on. You can trust what the website says. Go there, go there, go there. Well, the more people that you've got going there, the more visibility, the more remembrance it is of that website, the more people will visit there, the more they'll point their friends there, the more web traffic hits you'll get, the higher it'll raise you in the Google search engine rankings. I mean, it's all these... All these things are really, really good points, but you want to be able to point people to the website, and you can't do that if the website's wrong. So you want to make sure that that information is correct. Uh, and then not only that, another reason I'll point people to the website is to keep me from having to explain things over and over and over and over that I've already said, that I've already got documented, that we might already have a little YouTube video. We might already have a little document that's on the website. We got the prayer schedule. Why am I going to sit there and try to explain the prayer schedule to somebody? Well, we do this on Tuesday and that's not bad. When I can just say, hey, go to the website. We got it online. You can trust what it says. Well, it's very, very helpful because then you don't have to explain it again. If you already got it clear online, then that's a conversation that you don't have to spend so much time and energy on. Uh, and so, well, what, what are your visions? You know, what are your vision and values? Well, we got that online. Well, what do you believe about this? We got that online. I mean, you know, don't be horsey about it. If they're sincere, have a little conversation with a first time visitor, but. Uh, but if somebody's like, hey, I'm really after this, I'd like to have a meeting and, and talk to you and hear about, you know, all the, the visions and values of the ministry and what you guys hold to and do you believe in the Bible and this and that. But yeah, we got all that online. So uh, it's a good little uh, way to be able to point people uh, uh, online to be able to get your stuff done. Promo material. Develop printed promotional material that's in sync with your website info. So what you want is have the website right. That's probably more important than anything. Have a website, have it right, and then develop printed material that is uh, complementary to what it is that's reflected on the website. Now, a printed material, you're going to put way, way less on a piece of paper or on a business card than you are on your website. You just want to make sure it says the same stuff, uh, whatever you're pointing at. So, for instance, if your schedule online says one thing, don't let the printed material say something different. You know, I mean, have them be in line you know, have the right address on there, have the right phone number on there, just little simple things. Um, but those uh, printed materials are then helpful to just kind of help, uh, you know, get the word out a little bit. And there is a generation uh, that prefers printed material uh, as opposed to, um, you know, online stuff. And uh, and so it's important that you have both, um, but you just want to make sure that it reads the same. And I know that sounds like a, a kind of a, a gimme, no brainer, but it's, you'd be surprised. So, um, and then what I suggest is plan periodic campaigns with your printed material, you know, something like this once a year. I mean, you probably can't do this every month because people get bored of you, but once a year, um, have a little, have a, have an event or have a print out a bunch of your, you know, a uh, little paper flyer things and ask everybody that's involved to give it to five people. And say, hey, will you give this to five people who don't normally come around here, uh, the little paper thing. It's just a way to kind of get the word out a little bit, and it, it may not uh, cause a bunch of people to come. But what I've been experiencing is the, the longevity. When you plant a house of prayer, you're planting it forever. I mean, you're planting it for years and decades. I mean, it's not a, we're going to be here and do the house of prayer for, you know, six months or a year. It's now you're planting something that will be a sustainable prayer ministry for, you know, on forever or how, whoever, who knows how long. With that thought process in mind, there's going to be so many things that you're glad you did when you get to the year five, six, seven, eight mark, that you're going to be so glad you did at year one, two, three, regarding just getting the word out, letting people see your branding, you know, that kind of thing, connecting back to the ministry uh, so that you can uh, just keep the communication out there. We, we have people all the time. They're like, I've been hearing about you guys for years. I'm so glad I finally came today or whatever. Well, how'd you hear about it? Well, I saw this paper flyer. Saw this, or there was this event that I heard you guys did. This, and that. all that stuff counts and matters. And for that person, it took them ten times to hear about it before they finally decided to come. And as long as the number was nine, they weren't coming. You know, and it's like, well, you got to get them to ten then. And maybe their magic number is forty. Maybe their magic number is three. You don't know. Um, so uh, very, very helpful. 
E-Flyer. I suggest doing a monthly E-Flyer. Again, this is all external communication to your whole contact base about what's new. And it's just communicate. Hey, here's what's going on. We're still here. We didn't go away. We didn't disappear. We're still a prayer ministry. We're still doing prayer meetings over here, folks. And while you have to make up a new excuse every time of why you're saying, hey, we're still here, you can't say, hey, we're still here every time. That won't work. You got to do, hey, we're doing this event. But what you're really saying is, we're still here and we've got an event coming up. Just remind you, we're still here. Uh, You know, another time it's, we added to this. Another time it's, we had this great testimony. Another time it's, We've got a need, whatever. But all of those are saying, hey, we're still here. We're still in prayer ministry. Uh, still come check us out. And a monthly e-flyer is uh, very helpful um, because it allows people to be able to see again and to connect back to your website, uh, be reminded of who you are, what you're about. Oh, yeah, I remember they're still there. Man, you know what? I had a terrible day today. I'm going to go sit in the prayer room for a while. And you don't know what day it is that you're going to send out that e-flyer that's just right in the middle of their worst week. Right in the middle of their, they got a crisis tomorrow. Right in the middle of they got a bad, uh, you report from the doctor that morning. You just don't know. And so for you to be able to keep the thing in front of people, it draws people in. We had that happen even yesterday. Somebody came in because we sent out an e-flyer the other day, and they came in, and they'd never been here before. And they're like, I got the e-flyer, and they were in a rough spot, and they just needed a place to pray. And So uh, this keeps it in front of them is my point there. Um, and uh, my suggestion is so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time on these email flyers, come up with kind of a general format and change out the pictures and the text and leave the format. That way you don't have to creatively come up with a new format every single time. Uh, you know, leave leave it kind of as a general idea and change out some of the graphics and the, the headings and the, you know, the little blurbs, you know, change out the words and stuff, but leave kind of a general uh, uh, thing. Because what I've found is at least in my non, uh, you know, artistic world uh, that I live in, uh, it takes a lot of effort sometimes to creatively come up with formats that are aesthetically pleasing and all that stuff. So if you can just come up with something that kind of works, I suggest suggest sticking with the format and just changing out some of the components as opposed to having to come up with a whole brand new thing every time. And uh, uh, that being helpful for you, it's also helpful helpful for the looker because the person who is looking at your e-flyer, after they've seen one or two or three of them, They'll know kind of where things are and what to expect where and what that format looks like actually makes it easier for them to read quicker. And it's very important to you that people are able to read your material quickly because if they can read it quickly, they'll read it. And if they can't read it quickly, most won't read it. I won't. When I get stuff and it's too cluttered and too much going on, I don't even read it. I don't have time. Too busy. Not interested. But if it's really quick and organized well, and it's like, it's a, it's a quick little bump, 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 man, I'll, yeah, cool. Wow. Awesome. Boom. Next. Go on to the next thing. And that's actually what you want. You want to be able to have it and it's connected so that if they wanted more information, they can go back to your website and get more info. But if you package it in a way that most people aren't going to read, um, then they aren't going to read it. So, uh, I saw somebody's, um, uh, partnership development, um, um, newsletter the other day. And they did a brilliant job. It was awesome. It was spaced out well. There wasn't a lot of text, but there was just the amount that it was needed. Great little picture. It was clean. It just, it, it was inviting to read it. It's like, I read the whole thing and there was probably more information there than I would have read uh, had it been packaged in a hundred other ways. But because it was just packaged well, I was enticed to like, you know, read it and go through it. I was hurt. I was in a hurry. I, I didn't have much time when I was looking at it, but I was like, man, this is well done. And it caused me to want to read it and look at it and that kind of thing. And so uh, there really is a lot that can be done uh, with just the, the packaging of the information. And again, on the external communication, here's the, the big why behind the what on this, is if you communicate poorly, less people will come. If you communicate clearly, more people will come. If you communicate in a way that is uh, not appealing, people won't read it, and then they won't come. If you communicate in a way that it is, people will look at it, they'll come. If you're consistent in your external communication and it's real with what you're actually doing, people will leave with a neutral taste in their mouth. Let let me explain that concept for a second. If you don't do what you said you were going to do, so the, the, for instance, uh, you posted the schedule uh, online, people came and it was wrong. You weren't close. You were closed. You weren't open. No one was there. That leaves a bad taste in their mouth. If they came and you were open, just because they came doesn't mean they had a good experience. 
But if they come and you weren't open, they have a bad experience. So if they come, if you just do your communication and they come, they leave with a neutral experience. Once they're there is then how you turn that into a positive experience, being loving, encouraging, praying for them, you know, interacting with all those kinds of things. But you don't even get the opportunity to do that if your external communication isn't good and doesn't line up with uh, what you're doing. And the last thing you want is a bad rap in your region that, ah, you know what, they're kind of a joke. Actually, they say they do stuff and then they don't. They're really not doing anything. Uh, you know, I've shown up at some of their stuff. It didn't even happen. You know, they this got canceled and they didn't tell anybody. Uh, their website's out of date. I mean, that is one of the worst things to say. Their website's out of date. Uh, you know, all the information on there is old and wrong. Uh, that's not the kind of thing that you want said because it's not that you're always going to be able to be perfect on that. But the more people who think that, the worse it is because that gets around and, uh, and winds up causing you some significant problems. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to transition to a time of Q&A. And so uh, what I'll do is any questions that you guys have, um, I'll do the best I can to answer them. And what I'll do is I'll repeat the question so that uh, we can get it uh, recorded well. So any questions on today's content? Anything so far? Yeah. So what are some things to look for to indicate the need to revise a system? And then what is kind of the step-by-step process or like your favorite three points of growing in a system. So I have no system. What are three things to have a system? Okay. Um, since it was two questions, let me, let me answer them as two. So the first question is, uh, how do you know a system's broken? Like what are some indications that it's not working? Uh, great question. Um, lots of complaining, not a little complaining. There's always a little complaining. You will never be able to escape a little complaining. Unfortunately, humans are humans and they're going to complain. But if you keep getting a lot of complaints about something, that is an indication. It may not even be wrong. Uh, uh, right. Uh, they, their complaints might really be just their flesh. But if you hear multiple complaints about a similar thing, you want to look at it. Uh, I can think of some things even just running through my mind now that have been points where we had multiple complaints and we looked at it and we went, yeah, man, we got to fix that. And I can think of a couple where we had multiple complaints where like, they're wrong. They're wrong. They need to just do this. 10 people are wrong. They need to do this. And I can, I can think about that. And so, uh, but that's an indication. And so it's one of those little stopping points where you want to stop and ask yourself and think it through. And, and, uh, and, and in the one, I can think of this in the, in a couple of the occasions where I go, man, those 10 people are wrong. The issue wasn't the system. The issue was we need to communicate more clearly the why behind the what of the thing that they're upset about. So it was, it was still us needing to do something. It wasn't change the system. It was explain the system better. It was go, Hey, here's why this is so important. And, and then that helps with the process because people go, Oh, wow. Yeah. I guess that really does matter. Um, and so it was, it was, uh, it was an explanation communication thing. Uh, another thing would be, um, I'm always trying to keep my eyes and ears open to do how to do things better. And so if I'm, uh, you know, one of the reasons I would want to go see another house of prayer is to see how they do the thing or have a conversation with another leader. Well, how do they do this thing? And as I hear other approaches, uh, sometimes I will hear an idea of the way that somebody else is handling something. And I go, oh my gosh, that's great. And oh my gosh, is that going to cost us a fortune and a lot of time? And we'll need three more staff to do it. Ew, gosh, great idea. Can't do it. But at least I thought about it, you know, as a result of it. So keeping your eyes and ears open uh, to uh, uh, what else is uh, available. And then the other thing is, uh, I would say anything you're having to spend a tremendous amount of time on, you can improve. Anything. I mean, anything. Whatever it is, if you're spending a lot of time each week or month on it, there's there are things you can do to clean that up. Just by virtue of the fact of how much energy you're giving to it, there's bound to be ways to approach it more efficiently. There's bound to be ways to uh, cut down on redundancy. There's bound to be ways to whatever. And so, so spending some think tank time on any issue, any piece of the ministry, any I'll just I'm even thinking about like studying you know, studying for my, for my message on Saturday nights. Over the years, I've figured out ways because I spend a good amount of time doing that. I've figured out ways to do that better. So there are certain things that I do. And it was a, it was a system I had in place that I've refined because I spend a good bit of time doing that. So that can be as simple as 
you know, or, or as, uh, as, uh, you know, a spiritual side of things of like study preparation to, you know, how to orchestrate a staff meeting to, you know, what, a what anything is, if you're giving a significant amount of time and energy to, uh, or rather say it this way, whatever in the ministry that you are giving a significant amount of time and energy to, there's probably a continual path of how to make that thing better and more efficient. And so, uh, so I'd suggest that. So, uh, second part of the question was, uh, so then what would be the one, two, three ways of developing a system? Uh, if that's, is that kind of simple? Okay. Uh, so you have no system in place, um, and you need one. Uh, I would say the one, two, three, great question. Identify what needs to happen. What is it that you're, uh, why would you develop a system? What, what is it that's lacking? So what, what is it you're trying to accomplish should be point one. Uh, second thing I do is brainstorm some bad ways to fix the problem. I mean, if you come up with a good way, great, but come be willing to come up with bad ideas, brainstorm some ideas of how to fix that problem. Third thing, get some feedback from somebody in the ministry about some of those ideas that you came up with. So you brainstormed, you came up with three or four ideas, really only two of them are, you know, uh, viable present those two ideas to somebody else and get their feedback. Hey, what would you think about this? How would that work? Uh, and ask them for some, a little bit of input. Then put something into practice based off of all that and plan on amending it later. Plan on it really only being 75% of the, the, the plan. Plan on it not being the whole deal. <clears throat> and then after you've done it a little bit, amend it a little bit, clean it up. Great question. Any other questions? Mm-hmm. Um, for the meetings that should take place, um, what meetings inside and outside the ministry do you say yes to? Do you say no to? And what meetings do you want to pursue? Okay. Uh, question is uh, maybe threefold. Um, regarding spending time in actual face-to-face meetings, uh, which meetings... Uh, uh, do you want to say yes to, which ones do you want to say no to, and which meetings do you want to go try to make happen? Um, great question. Um, when you're small, you can say yes to most of them. And it's good that you do because you're building rapport with a small group of people. And that small group of people may wind up becoming your leadership team. And so you want to give them as much time as you can. And so, uh, as you grow, you can't afford to do that anymore. Uh, you can't afford to say yes every time, all the time to everybody. But, uh, but when you're small, my suggestion is, uh, you try to have as many, uh, intentional meetings, uh, as you can, um, with people. Um, and, and then as you, as you, um, as the ministry grows and matures, what we're going to cover in the next, uh, a couple of sessions is we'll talk about the concept of delegating is, uh, as the ministry grows, the answer to the question of who do you meet with and who do you not meet with is who, who is it that no one else in the ministry could answer their question? If no one else can answer that question, if no one else can deal with that issue, if no one else can give that training, if no one else can address that situation, well, then it's got to be me. But if there are others and you want to be intentional to raise up others, if there are others, well, then it really probably makes sense that they meet with that person so that you can prioritize the conversations that it's got to be you. As far as the uh, external, you know, like what mi- what meetings do you try to go make happen? Um, I'll typically, uh, you know, just kind of feel a peace or or a uh, a check in my spirit about uh, whether I need to pursue a relationship or not uh, with you know another ministry leader, a business leader, whoever this that. And sometimes there are relationships that look great on paper that the Lord is just flat not in. And you need to ask the Lord. And uh, if he gives you a check, then don't don't go pursue it. Other times there's people, I've had some surprises where I was like, man, I just don't think this, this looks like the same old, same old. This isn't going to work out at all. And I feel the Lord on it a little bit like, okay, well, I'll meet with him. It turns out to be a really great deal. And so uh, learning to hear from the Holy Spirit about uh, some of those uh, outside meetings Um but, uh, you know, you want to, as far as the pursuing of it, um, 
my experience has been, and this is just this is just my experience. So take that for what it's worth. My experience has been, unless the Lord is orchestrating the relationship, you can't force it. And so you might be able to force the meeting, you know, use whatever strings and be able to get in front of them and have a conversation with them. But it doesn't necessarily mean anything's going to happen. Whereas there are times where the Lord is doing it, and then uh, he kind of breathes on it a little bit and makes it land. So I can think of a number of meetings that I went and pursued to try to make happen, and uh, and I did, and it was great. I mean, we had a friendly conversation, and nothing came of it, and I looked back on it and went, well, I mean, it wasn't a waste of time. I like the guy. I like the couple. They're great. Uh, I just don't know that it was like the Lord's timing, you know, to go make that happen. And so I, I really suggest on the ones that you're going to have to go invest some energy, the fish aren't jumping to the boat. You're having to go hunt to make this thing happen, uh, that you just um, be prayerful uh, to know that it's really time well invested. Great question. What else? <clears throat> we can probably take one more. Okay, I have some questions on, I guess it's a two-part question, but on, the, on like tasks. Mm-hmm. So you gave a little bit of like what you do when you're starting as far as monthly, but what are some things besides like the thinking, brainstorming that you would do like weekly? Um, like if you're really small and there's only a couple of you, like what are some weekly things like to-do lists? Oh, so like what would be for a small house of prayer, what would be some of the weekly things that when need to said, get done? Yeah, you, you, you might have a little more time on your hands as a new ministry, not so busy yet. So like what are some things that you're weekly, like intentionally? That's great. Yeah, great. Um, I can remember... Um, Weekly, uh, sending out emails to uh, people who weren't involved in what we were doing about what we were doing, just letting people know. I just spend you know thirty minutes a week just doing that because now you're you're constantly letting more people know, and it's a personalized email from you. They know you, they like you. You know, it's it's your friend, it's the ministry leader across town, it's whatever. Uh, so that was one that that was uh, good because it let people know what was going on. Another thing that I would do, and this may sound goofy, but you'll be glad you did it. I would spend painful time, and I would try not to spend too much. I'd try to do like 15 minutes writing policies every week. Because there are so many things that you will do as a house of prayer that is, it really is a policy. It's just not written down. But you're doing it and you're expecting people to do it. You want people here on time. Okay, but that's not written anywhere. Uh, you want, you know, you want, uh, um, people to clean up afterwards, you know? Okay. Well, that's not written down anywhere. I mean, just little things, just, (laughs) there are a thousand little policies. And the reason that you want those is not so that you can have a wall of policies. That would be, wow, epically boring. Um, size 12 font, 5,000 policies make up a whole wall. That's not what you want. What you want is when someone doesn't fulfill the expectation and they're looking for what the right expectation is, you don't want to have to write it. You want to be able to copy and paste it. I do that all the time now. People will ask me something, I'll just send them the doc. I don't have to answer the question. It's already in the document. People will ask, well, you know, well, what, what are we, how is it supposed to look, you know, when we do this? Well, we got it written down, send it. Uh, you know, because what this does is it helps you from having to repeat yourself over and over again. One of the things that I just, I just loathe is having to write out the same things over and over and over. It drives me nuts. And it's like, well, I wouldn't have to do that if I just keep track of it, streamline it a little bit and keep it as, a, as something that I can just, you know, send and communicate. Um, uh, something else that we used to do when we were real small is uh, we would um, have like little brainstorming times where we were just trying to come up with names of people that we could connect with, you know, uh, people that we knew or friends or whatever. Um, another little weekly, you know, to do is, uh, as a house of prayer leader, spend some time every week praying for the baby. Lord help this little baby house of prayer thing. That's tough. And it's in a rough spot. It's an ICU right now. Like Lord help break in. And what that does is it invokes heaven's response it gets you more involved. It engages your emotions. It gets you more thinking about what's going on. Uh, it, it allows the one that's going to pray for the things is going to be the one that's going to hear more about it. And so, uh, so just spend some intentional time, you know, praying for it. 
Thank you again for tuning in to this session of the House of Prayer Leadership Podcast. We're so thankful to Brad Stroop and the Prayer Room in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas for providing this content for us to equip you. We would love for you to also check out the Presence Pioneers podcast, which exists to help you and your community host the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer. God bless.